We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Does Sean Payton write the ship in Denver? How good can Tony Pollard be now that he is the Cowboys lead back? We're talking all that and more on Roto Viz Radio. What's up, Roto Viz? The Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners at Rotoviz, back with another projections episode. As always, uh, you have the caveat here that you've got to be careful not to get too married to projections to understand that there's a lot of pitfalls in them. Things are going to change that is going to render any projection uh, potentially. A little bit meaningless if there's some type of major seismic event in a team, but even some smaller little events will lead a projection to have been somewhat misguided. Also, uh, the episode that you're hearing tonight, I probably recorded a number of days before it's going to air. Um, As a result, there may be a couple of changes or news stories that break within that team that would not have been factored into what we are going to talk about this evening. Nonetheless, we now make our way out to Denver and Dallas. All right, so let's start with the Broncos. Now, if you've been following along with the podcast this summer, you're aware that Curtis is feeling pretty optimistic about Denver's outlook He expects Sean Payton to come in, really revamp that team, especially offensively, get this team on the right direction. I am not quite as optimistic or as bullish as he is. I do think that you see this team take some steps forward in comparison to what it did last year. I am not sure, though, that we see some type of renaissance out of Russell Wilson and that we see the Broncos take such a large step forward that we're looking at them as an entirely different team in 2022. Obviously, I could be wrong. My level of conviction on that on a scale from 1 to 10 is only somewhere in the middle, maybe around like a 5. But this is leading up to me saying, in the projection that I have for this team, 
it does not assume that we see this massive step forward. As a result, if you are somebody that does expect Denver to take a very large step forward, then the numbers that I'm talking about probably don't uh, support or aren't as useful for you um, because the upside for a player might be higher than what I'm including into my kind of realistic range of outcomes. Last year, the team went 5-12 and 12. in terms of play volume. We saw Denver land in with a split uh, 57% pass to 43% rush. They were four plays behind league average. Looking forward to this year, I expect that we'll see them somewhere around league average with it being an average type of team. Um, rushing attempts 494, passing attempts 565. The pass percentage actually comes down a little bit to 53%. Some of that being that I think the team will win more than five games, which will give them a little bit more of an opportunity to rush. Um, but nothing too wild here uh, in terms of the play volumes or the splits for Denver. Russell Wilson, I have for around 13% of the rushes. Dividing up the rest of the work between Devante, or excuse me, Javante Williams and Samaja Pirine does become a little bit difficult because you have Williams coming off of that significant injury. I'm assuming that there is a bit of a period where he has to kind of reacclimate, get reworked in, and I'm also expecting that there might be some bumps along the way in this season in this backfield as a result of that it's not going to be a situation where you can have Williams seeing a very high amount of usage in my baseline scenario I actually have him projected with 44% of the team's rushes you have P Ryan at 33% P Ryan also getting a 6% target share Williams getting a 9% target share pretty normal efficiency for these guys um, in terms of touchdown scoring, Williams ends up with just four, P. Ryan with five. I think that um, that could certainly flip. I could be a little off in those numbers. Uh, you do have two receiving touchdowns for Williams, one for P. Ryan. These projections or these numbers place Javante Williams as a back end RB2, and Samaj P. Ryan comes in around. Uh, a back end running back three. So the first thing that you might wonder about here is what if I am just way too low on Williams rushing share and that gets up to somewhere in the 50% range. So let's just set it to 50%. In that scenario, I don't think that you're going to see the moval. Oh my gosh. The, <laughs> the needle move that much. Williams then goes up to around RB 22, not a drastic change for him. What you would really need for him here. And I'll set things back in the projection machine to 44% rush share. What I think you're going to need for Williams is him to get a bump of like 4% maybe in the receiving game. If he could get to a share of 13%, I think we do see things start to move a little bit there. Naturally, I'm assuming that we are looking at things from a PPR perspective. If I make those changes, he jumps up to RB17. And I do think that that is something that could happen. I mean, if you look at his games 
last year, um, he had a target share of 17%. So me giving him that 9% share might be too safe and might have too much of an assumption on a couple of things here. One, that the team is going to be more willing to use its options at tight end and wide receiver, go to running backs less, and then also that Williams is going to be playing a little bit less uh, than he would have back at the start of last year when he was completely healthy. And you could maybe push back and say, well, it's looking like he is going to be all systems go. Um, but, you know, that is a little bit nebulous right now. As far as the wide receivers go, I think that you have Jerry Judy here being the main target in the offense. Last year, he had a share of around 21%. And in my breakdown for Denver this year, I do have him coming in around 21% in my baseline projection. I will say that the last couple of days, I've been thinking about tweaking that. So the numbers that we're going to start with right here are are going to have Jerry Judy with a share of 23%. You're going to have Cortland Sutton coming in with 17%. And then the rookie, or excuse me, Cortland Sutton around 18. I think that you're going to see Marvin Mims, the rookie, maybe somewhere around 16%. Uh, and then at tight end, Greg Dulcich actually was pretty involved last year, and I think you could see him getting to somewhere around 14% um, to give a little more clarity on some numbers here, though. Let's focus more on Judy. So last year, Jerry Judy, six receiving touchdowns, went for 972 yards. Um, in my configuration this year, you have him at 1,144 with seven receiving touchdowns. This would get him into the range of wide receiver 18 to 20-ish at a share of 23%. Now, just to give an idea of how um, sensitive his projection is to changes in target share, if we drop things back down to 21%, his rate from last year, Jerry Judy then comes in at wide receiver 27. So there's actually a decent amount of movement based on this. And then likewise, if you leave the touchdown rate, his yards per reception, um, fairly similar to what he had last year, and then you bump him up to 25% of a target share, you would land with him coming in as the wide receiver 15. So in my mind, the upside for Jerry Judy is looking like a middling wide receiver two. I think that the downside for him is probably somewhere uh, around a 19% target share. And that would make him finish as somewhere around the wide receiver 34. So there's definitely a bit of a spectrum for him. Um, ultimately, I think viewing him as a mid to back end wide receiver two is what makes the most sense in my mind. Now, Cortland Sutton 
I pull up his numbers from last year, was responsible for a target share actually of 24%. So I'm scaling things back pretty significantly for him in the coming season. And we'll look at how things could be different for him. Uh, Last year, though, he only put up two receiving touchdowns. Uh, just 829 yards, did have 64 receptions. In my numbers for him this year, you come out to a similar total number of receptions, 800 yards, just three receiving touchdowns. Um, The interesting thing about Sutton is, as a rookie, he put up four receiving touchdowns, six in his second year. Since then, he has scored just four total touchdowns. Of course, he only played one game back in 2020. In this configuration of numbers, you have Sutton looking more like a wide receiver somewhere in the 50s than a more appealing option. Now, personally, um, I also think that I view Sutton as a player that should get drafted a little bit ahead of that. And to be honest, as I'm working my way through this episode again... I think that I am not giving him a high enough target share. And as I'm thinking things through, I do think I'm actually going to settle out with uh, Judy around 23 and then Sutton actually coming in at 21. And I think this is going to make Marvin Mims actually come in somewhere closer to around a share of 15%. Uh, Dulcich will stick at 14. So then Mims looks more like a wide receiver uh, ranked in the 60s, Sutton with a share of 21% would come in at wide receiver 38. Now, some of the reason for that is just a low touchdown rate, um, only getting to four receiving touchdowns. So he's definitely going to be a player that season depends on him picking up an extra two or three touchdowns over what the numbers look like to me on a baseline case for him this year. I don't think though that there's a tremendous amount of upside more for Sutton over the numbers that we've just looked at unless he is the wide receiver one there and it's not Jerry Judy. And if we saw him capture a target share of maybe 25%, in that case, we would see him take a bit of a jump up the rankings here and he'd finish closer to wide receiver 28. That said, I'm really expecting that we see Judy to be the first look for Russell Wilson in this Denver offense in the coming season. Uh, And finally, if we take a look at Greg Dulcich here, who last year earned himself a target share of eight, percent put up two receiving touchdowns um i have him at just 14 percent this year um with some of the changes in the coaching staff in this roster i i have him scaled back nonetheless though could go for around um three receiving touchdowns 550 yards in this baseline scenario and he finishes as the tight end 16 Uh, I think he's being drafted a little bit ahead of that right now, maybe four or five spots in ADP. Uh, Where you could get a pickup for him would be going from 14 to 16% in terms of target share. That would bump him up to the wide receiver 12. And in that case, I still only have him at three 
receiving touchdowns. If we pop him up to the point where he gets to uh, five receiving touchdowns, he then looks like the tight end 11. So I would say that his upside is finishing as a low end tight end one. Your kind of baseline for him is that he's somewhere around tight end 16 uh, and a little bit of downside beyond there to maybe finish somewhere between 18 to 20 in end of season tight end rankings. So if I take just one second here and I scale the players back to kind of my baseline case, right? And I'm going to say that my baseline here is 23% of a share for Judy, 21% for Sutton. You're going to have Mims at 15. All of the other ancillary pieces um, not getting significant shares. We have Russell Wilson finishing with 4,163 passing yards, 24 passing touchdowns. I am giving him three rushing touchdowns, uh, 275 yards as a rusher. This gets him to quarterback 15. Now, what's interesting about that is when I kind of think about my expectations for Denver, uh, they wouldn't have had him finishing in that range where he's right behind of Aaron Rodgers in line with Geno Smith uh, and that type of player. So I would say that's actually a fairly optimistic outlook for Russell Wilson this year. And I think it's possibly picks up another uh, maybe two to four touchdowns, which would move him up a couple of spots. But really it's looking like to me, the upside that you would see for Wilson would be getting to becoming a fringe quarterback one, but I do view him more as a solid QB two. So that takes us through Denver. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, with Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. If we turn our attention to the Cowboys, 
and Phoebe the dog is right up on the mic, kind of huffing and puffing. I don't know if you can hear that. She's refusing to sit in the dog bed. Um, last time I recorded, well, it's actually the same night, in the interest of full disclosure, I had to put her, um, just let her kind of roam while I recorded, which is never great. Now that she's old, she wants to go to bed super early. I think I've already talked about this. Anyway, she's up on the mic, so apologies if you hear her making noise. She's sitting on or standing on top of the desk trying to get in my way here. All right, Dallas went 12 and 5 last year under head coach Mike McCarthy. In terms of play volume, we saw the Cowboys finish with a very high number of plays coming in 64 above league average. Uh, and they had a 51 to 49% split between the pass and the rush. I actually have the team passing a little bit more uh, this year with a 56 to 44% split. I have them running a lot of plays, actually going 88 plays over league average. Now, Ronald Jones is suspended two games. My projection still has him slated in currently as the RB2 for the team. I think behind that, you could see Malik Davis kind of challenge in there. I know there's a couple of pieces. I have Deuce Vaughn getting a couple of looks here um, as a wide receiver. But really, what's of note is the split for Tony Pollard. Now, Pollard last year, and I know it's a little bit different this year because you don't have this concept of having a main back and another back that you're expecting needs to be used. Last year, Pollard was at 39% rush, 11% target share. Uh, to adjust for the changes this year, I have Pollard with a 53% rush rate, a target share of 10%. Do expect him to be pretty efficient as a rusher. So gave him nice numbers in that regard. As a result, he finishes with around 1,200 yards, 11 rushing touchdowns, three receiving touchdowns. And my projections put Tony Pollard coming in at RB4. And there's a case to be made for him picking up additional share. Um, but I don't think it really matters because what you're finding here is for a running back being drafted where he is, um, there's a little bit of upside even on that, assuming that he's going as like the RB7 when I think he could easily challenge here for being the RB3 or the RB4. So that's some of the reason that I view Tony Pollard as a really nice pick this year when you look at the play volume that you're going to have in Dallas and the fact that he doesn't even need to capture a ridiculous share of that and you can expect some good efficiency for him. So high in total touchdowns, uh, I really like the outlook for Pollard this year. The other backs in the offense, um, though there's some opportunity for them, I don't see that you, you. I don't feel that you have any approaching RB three status unless there's some unforeseen um, scenarios that play out there, which you know there's definitely a possibility for. But in things we can try to control for now, um, there's nothing that stands out to me. Um, as giving the other players there a lot of runway. At wide receiver, you're going to have C.D. Lamb naturally as the wide receiver one. Lamb had a target share 29% last year, the largest of his career. Went for almost 1,400 yards, had nine receiving touchdowns, almost 13 yards per reception. 
I have him with a share of 27% this year, I think, between him, Gallup, and Cooks. You're going to see the three of them uh, all getting significant uh, target share. Uh, Lamb, my projection, still has him finishing with around nine receiving touchdowns. Could get up to 1,500 yards this year. I definitely think that's possible. With those numbers, you have Lamb looking like a top five wide receiver. So like we talked about with Pollard, I don't think we even need to explore the upside because you're at the point where there's really so much you can realistically capture. Uh, but let's just say that he got back to a target share of 29%, holding everything else as it was. This would get him landing still um, as a top five wide receiver somewhere around wide receiver four. Needless to say, the projection that you're going to do for C.D. Lamb this year is going to paint a very, very nice picture, uh, which probably makes Gallup and Cooks a little bit more interesting. I currently have Gallup with a share of 17%. Now, last year, he was able to get to 17%, had four receiving touchdowns, only 424 yards. That was in a 14-game season. I'd have him at five touchdowns this year in a full season, 775 yards. And with that target share of 17%, you have Gallup looking like a wide receiver in the wide receiver four range. Uh, maybe he could pick up an extra two to 3% of his share, and then he'd finish as a firm wide receiver three. Now, I think that Brandon Cooks, I could be off on. Uh, giving him a share of 15% here, which gets him to around 800 yards and four receiving touchdowns, with which he looks like uh, somewhere around the wide receiver 50. But I do think it's possible you could see a scenario where he gets up to a target share of maybe 19%. If he was able to do that, and that's an increase of 4%, you'd see him approaching wide receiver three status. So it's a tricky thing with cooks this year. When I'm drafting, I find myself wanting to take him as like a back end wide receiver three projection process. Wouldn't really support that. And he would actually have to capture a fair amount of his upside, I think in order to approximate that. Um, so my final thought on Gallup and cooks would be, I do tend to feel that we're going to get a good year out of this offense. As a result of that, there might be more upside for Cooks and Gallup than I'm baking into this exercise. And it does kind of make me like both of them as picks at their current ADP. Um, at tight end, you're likely going to have Jake Ferguson getting... The majority of tight end looks there ahead of Luke Schoonmaker. Uh, last year, Ferguson was only at 4%. Of course, you had Dalton Schultz there, who got to a target share of 19%. I only have him slated for somewhere around 10% this year. You could quibble with it, but the reality is I don't see him being an overly relevant fantasy tight end. Uh, probably going to be somewhere between tight end 20 which maybe to, well, probably more like tight end 23 to tight end 30. Uh, perhaps you consider that relevant. When you put all of these numbers together there in Dallas, you assign Dak Prescott 
you know, minimal rushing, picking up one rushing touchdown, but does get to 28 passing touchdowns over 4,500 yards. Dak lands right around his ADP, looking like the quarterback 11, right sandwiched in there with Tua and a little bit ahead of Daniel Jones and Deshaun Watson, uh, who, when we talked about in the Cleveland episode, uh, I was not able to get him in kind of the base configuration into that sector with Trevor Lawrence, uh, where he's being drafted in a lot of the leagues that I'm in. Uh, so like Dak this year at ADP, like Lamb at ADP, really like Tony Pollard at ADP. We have a little bit of upside for Cooks and Gallup against where they're being drafted. And I overall feel pretty decent uh, about the Dallas Cowboys offense for fantasy purposes in 2023. As always, enjoyed spending some time with you. At this point, we only have... Oh, sorry. We haven't done the Cleveland episode yet. That will be up next time. We'll be in the state... I love when the stuff happens like this. We will be in the state of Ohio as we look at the Browns and the Bengals. Uh, We'll have another episode coming out soon on Chicago and Carolina. Uh, Then Buffalo and Baltimore. And we'll close with Atlanta and Arizona. Working backwards this year from Z to A in the alphabet, which has been kind of fun. Um, We only have a couple of these projections episodes left, so I will look to talking with everyone out there uh, on a couple of days. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. 